and this perfect package back at Bear Pre Packs. It's another episode of Full Metal Analysts. I'm gonna do that again because what? I think I got it wrong. <laughs> And this perfect package pack of pair of pretty packs. It's another episode of Full Metal Analysts. Welcome to our show where free rise analyze each and every episode of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I'm Michelle. I'm Arthur. Can you just say that again real slow? And yeah. this perfect package packed a pair of pretty packs. Anna. And packed this a perfect package packed a pair of pretty packs. And this perfect package packed a pair of pretty packs. Yeah. Oh. And I'm Mike. And our guest today is Quinn Henson. Woo! Thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Quinn, let's start things off by asking the question we always ask whenever you have a brand new guest, which is, how did you get started watching Full Metal Alchemist? I was raised watching anime in a very casual sense, especially through like Konami Jetstream, stuff like that. So really mostly like Naruto, Prince of Tennis, Sailor Moon, that kind of thing. And then when I was in high school, I believe I was on Tumblr back then which a lot of people were. That was kind of the zeitgeist for it. And I remember seeing like a list of recommended shows. And I had heard of that the dub was actually really good, even though I'm not a huge fan of dubs. So I checked it out. It was all on Hulu, and I binged it in about a weekend. Wow. So I started with the 2009 show. Then I read the manga on and off. Again, the 2009 series is a really faithful adaptation, so that's not as necessary. And I've been occasionally watching the 2003 series. Like, I know enough of the plot to understand where it diverges, but I haven't investigated much more than that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Is this our subtle way of announcing that maybe after this we'll do the 2003 show? Maybe. You have to stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. Full Metal Analysts Origins. Well, well no. Clearly what we ha would have to do is just title it Full Metal Analysts, parenthesis, 2003. Yeah, that, that is <laughs> And we have to pretend that we are in 2003 every, every episode. I'm down for that. That sounds <laughs> really fun. How old were you in 2003? How old were you? I was seven <laughs> how old were you in 2003 yeah, mike. <laughs> how old were you in 2003 mike i think i was like 18 <laughs> i think mike was just having his first child back then <laughs> oh no this week's episode is the abyss and it was directed by hiroshi ikahara who directed Reign of Sorrows, Those Who Lurk Underground, Doorway of Darkness, and more. It was written by Michihiro Tsushia, who wrote a total of 15 Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood episodes. So now it's time for us to do our improvised 21 second recap. This is the moment in the podcast where one of us will be chosen at random to do an 21 second improvised recap of this week's episode. And that person will be chosen by the roll of a dice. If it lands on one, it's me. If it lands on two, it's Arthur. If it lands on three, it's Mike. If it lands on four, it's our guest. So let's roll the dice. One. God damn it. Wow. Yeah. Love, it. Love to see <laughs> it. Three, two, one, go. Major Miles wants to kill Kimberly, and Ed is like, you can't kill people. And Major Miles is like, you're dumb. And Ed is like, I'm going to stop your plan by accident. And Kimberly finds out about the plan. And Ed fights with the two chimeras. And Ed fights with Kimberly, but doesn't kill him. And that's so Kimberly used that chance of throwing down a well. Ed has a pole stuck in his gut. And he pulls it out. And he heals himself with the help of the chimeras. Meanwhile, the other group finds Al and decides to go to a different village because... Ah, fuck. <laughs> was taking over. So you're saying Ed got shafted, literally. Ed yeah, got yeah. shafted, literally. <laughs> when I was watching that, and he was like, I'm going to use my own life force. Mm -hmm. The first words out of my mouth were, that's bullshit. <laughs> Wait, yeah. oh, that's not bullshit. It's real. I think it's bullshit. Wait, yeah. Tell, why do you think it's bullshit? Because I didn't think so either. Yeah. I'm so curious. the way he phrases it, it's like, I'm going to use 
my own life force as material for this transmutation. And he compares it to being a philosopher's stone. However, the philosopher's stone is human souls transformed into a material that can be used in alchemy. The reason why I thought it was bullshit on top of all that, even if you just wipe that all aside, is that it felt like the writer, she wanted Ed's group to have a stone, but she didn't want Ed to have a stone. And it's like the punishment for this choice for using his lifespan is so nothing that it felt like an ass pull. But it's years off of his life. How is that, that means nothing? absolutely nothing, Mike. How, well, what do you we mean? Just, we don't know that it means nothing just yet. It's implied, but we don't know the full scale of the consequences he's going to face. So what he does is instead of killing others, he literally kills a bit of himself in the process. Right. And I think that shows a lot about his character and like what his values and motivations are and how, like as Miles said, like he chose the harder path. And he's paying a price for it. It works true to character, like you say. And it also just works in the nitty gritty sort of magical woo-woo of it all. Because it's like when he calls himself a philosopher's stone. And then, you know, you see all these images of the times that he's used other souls to do things and stuff like that. It makes me think like that would give him a unique insight into the ability to do this. He is a philosopher's stone powered by a single soul. In the same way, a philosopher's stone... I don't think the souls have been transformed. I think that's exactly the point that the show is making and that may even explore further on is that souls in a Philosopher's Stone are still kind of alive. Maybe they aren't just pure fuel the way the homunculi say. Like but that's not the, what I said. Your problem was that the souls are transformed when they're yes, put in the Philosopher's Stone. Alive. I, I think like a soul is a soul. They're like condensed into a stone, you know? I think you're overthinking I mean, it. he's bleeding. The stones are red if you want to like go as literal in that sense. It's something <laughs> that would have been further explored in the manga. This one felt very condensed in a way we haven't seen episodes being in quite a while. I think maybe what we missed or what was sort of clipped from the story is maybe a little bit more in-depth explanation of what exactly what's going on there so i also thought about that and interestingly enough i went to the source material in this case because i was interested nice. ed realizing that he was just stabbed by a giant piece of rebar is the perfect cliffhanger like when that happened in the episode i was like clearly you're in the end right it felt like the end of the episode but it wasn't mm -hmm. and then i went back and in the manga it is the end of the chapter i do actually agree with you michelle because my thought was i feel like he hasn't been laying down there long enough like we need, right. we need to let us sit there in that like, oh God, he is really He's injured. Done this time, you know right. what's he gonna do? And we don't really get that. Although it is like awesome that that happened because when the explosion happened, I, I did have this thought like, oh, another one of these giant explosions that everyone's gonna be fine at the end, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh... and they even play with that by having him fall twice. Like this isn't the right. first time he falls on the episode. Careful, they're really good at fighting in low visibility. Ah! <laughs> just a question like I, this is a little off topic but a bit on topic like i'm curious did you guys watch the sub or the dub we watched oh. the dub you're watching the dub well okay here's my justification for it i watched the sub like four times and i'm just curious for the dub i'm biased towards dubs because i'm a former voiceover agent and i like those people <laughs> except one of them apparently who i didn't know i just I think didn't... it's a great dub i think it's been localized really well and a lot of times the dubbing translation in this show is better than the translation of the subtitles. Sex best excluded. Do you not, and I don't necessarily agree with this, I'm also being a shit disturber, do you not find it a little disrespectful to not like consume a Japanese piece of media in the original language it was intended? Is this not a form of imperialism? First of all, 
<laughs> my point of view has always been the same point of view as Hayao Miyazaki, which is he is totally for dubs because dubs allow people to focus more on the characters and the stories. I always think if you're going to watch something foreign, watch with subs. And maybe this is because mm -hmm. I'm from Brazil and most of my life, American movies were foreign movies. I do know that there are people who just legitimately cannot watch subs, whether it's for a real reason, like they don't know how to read or they can't read as fast. <laughs> That's as my fast. reason. No, but that, that, is, a legit, that is an actual <laughs> no, legitimate it's real, reason. It's real, yeah. yeah, it's real. Or the reason of like, they're, they don't want to read. There is a danger of culture imperialism when you dub something. I mean, you can think about like Sailor Moon, they dubbed uh, a, a gay couple into being cousins. There's a lot of examples, and honestly, the point that I'm making is a double-edged sword, because as you as you guys were saying that you felt that the dub sometimes localized the dialogue more effectively than the subtitles, I think you also have to understand that the subtitles are a level of translation themselves. There's really no winning in a way, because <laughs> <laughs> unless you speak Japanese or whatever language the work is in, you're not going to get the original meaning in all of its intricacies. Like, we're going mm -hmm. to have to settle for something, and my opinion on the matter of like whether to watch a dub or a sub is that it's really a case by case because there are dubs that are so good so you get really talented people who put a lot of care and effort into the translation and i think like in general i think i just gravitate for the one i like better <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah because yeah. like, i mean and conversely i argue that there was a lot of care put into the initial content as well i think this is definitely a complicated question that doesn't have an easy answer but as you said, you really do need to know the original language that's being spoken right. to fully understand what you're losing or gaining. Like, I'm somewhat fluent in French, and so I watch movies in French with English subtitles to help me out. And there is a moment in one movie where, to comfort another character, in the subtitles it says, it gets better. But what he was saying in French, and I'm sorry, I don't remember the exact phrase, but what he said was, it will hurt less over time, which mm -hmm. is a really different meaning. It's those small things that unless you know the language, it's going to be really hard. And even then, like, that's just bare bones translation. That's not even any of the cultural context. That's why, honestly, sometimes anime comedies can seem so goofy or nonsensical is because we just don't fully understand it and mm -hmm. won't be able to the same way. I think we should embrace the blurriness of this. Yeah. You know? Embracing the blurriness here could be really fun because that means that you can enjoy things over and over again in different contexts. And uh, and that's good. You know, I think that's good. A couple episodes back, we had a guest talking about Kimberly. And something yeah. they said about Kimberly came to mind during this episode, which is that Kimberly is so outrageously and cartoonishly evil that he mm -hmm. makes actually low-key evil people like Roy seem like heroes. I feel like this is the war criminal Roy agenda you're trying to pull on me here. Look. I, this feels like a cop-out, but like, dude, this is a story about the military, and I think the military, the, the PTSD and its consequences reflect in a lot of ways. Like, as you said, everyone does have blood on their hands, and it's very difficult, but you're seeing the ways a lot of people try to cope with it. Because, like, Armstrong's a war criminal, too, and he's, like, a himbo fan favorite. Like, you know, and, like, he's seen as, like, oh, he's so joyous and, like, happy and he, like, cracks jokes. And then you also see him, like, really suffering from the weight of his actions. Like, I just think everyone does have a decent level of interiority. And I understand that how Kimberly's just so evil, but, like, there's people like him in the military that exist. The show isn't trying to tell us that, that like, I don't see, like, I keep saying, like, I'm waiting for the ultimate thesis of the show i guess but like it really doesn't seem like we're bending towards like 
uh, whatever, war crimes are forgivable. It doesn't really feel that way. It feels like they're teaching us the entire system is set up in this specifically horrible way and that these are the people caught up in it and they can be like loving fathers and good friends and nice people and still be war criminals and that's what's interesting about them right damn last week's episode was also heavy this week's episode is going to be heavy i feel like people are going to start taking us seriously no no no, no <laughs> god forbid well okay i've got some bits so yeah let's do some bits i mean i think about this show a lot and also i do own a roy mustang t-shirt that says like oh snap and has him snapping his fingers so like <laughs> clever <laughs> so you're willing to forgive at least one of the war crimes he committed just for that <laughs> listen i bought that shirt at Fantasy expo knew. 2013 i was a junior in high school i think i'm allowed some leeway <laughs> yeah, well so. mike was 30 so what's your excuse <laughs> I, was, I was not 30 Wait, was <laughs> sorry 31 <laughs> No, no. Do you guys want to do headcanon? Yes. Yeah, yeah, let's do headcanon. I All was right. 28. I was 28. It's time for us to pull out some head... Cannons. This is the segment where we come up with our own backstories for minor characters who don't get backstories on the show. And this week, Arthur proposed we talk about the soldier who gets assigned to pretend to be Al. Coming, brother! Yeah, that, that guy. <laughs> the guy who's in Al's armor. Or in the decoy Al armor and has to pretend to be Al. Do I not think be we fooled can... by the decoy Al. <laughs> <laughs> the false Al. I assume that, uh, what's that city that's out to the west that had the Star of Milos? What was the city called? Table City? Table City, Table... yeah. I think he's from Table City and I think his mom was one of those bat people that flies around Table City. She didn't come home one day because it's a dangerous job. And he was taken in by the military. He's always looking for young war orphans to convert into soldiers, you know. But he's doing pretty good if he made it to Briggs. That's like the hardest area. He had a lot of gumption. And the thing about it is, you know, like, that, that's all I've got. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All Here's what I got. His name is Jim. And he got his position in the army because he's a son of a famous general called Hen. That's right. The soldier puppeteering Al is Jim Henson. Oh! I hate you. Oh, I heard no. Mike yell from the other side of the wall. Oh, no. I'm That's hearing him I've yell, and I don't heard. think it's picking up. Okay, it is. Yeah, it's, it's he's clipping out of the mic. the best joke I've ever heard. You keep calling Roy a war criminal, but what was that? You know what? You're right. That was a cry because I killed. For that, sir, you're gonna pay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like to think that this guy, he was really almost didn't even make it to work today. Like he was late, and he was like right out the door, and he's like, "Oh shit, I forgot my gun." And then he grabs the gun, and he trips, and he like his uniform gets all messed up, and so he has to like take it back and iron it. Then like his wife comes in, and is like, "Honey, I brought you like syrup and orange juice." Whoa! And she spills it on the uniform, and he's like, "Oh no! Oh no! What do I do?" And he's like running around. He has to, like borrow a uniform from his friend, but it has the wrong name tag on it, and it's just like a whole comedy of errors. And he finally gets to work, and they're like, "All right, we're gonna need you to take your clothes off and get in the suit of armor." And he's like, "Ugh." God. Mondays. Mondays. <laughs> I think because like Michelle made the made the idea of like how he kind of flails around in the Muppet. I think he's not a soldier. He's in administration. Like he was only chosen for that role because he was tall enough to fit in the armor. Right. That's why he's so bad at walking in it. Right. Like he just thought he was going to be filing paperwork another day and like complaining like, oh, this place's ventilation sucks. And then he's shoved into a suit of armor. 
and forced to follow all these people around and there's like fucking guns and explosions. Bad day. And that's my head cannon. All right, good segment. Good segment. Good you segment, know, everyone. There are two characters we haven't talked about, two very important characters, and that's Godzilla and the Cowardly Lion. Two oh, new my gosh. chimeras. No, not Godzilla. You mean King Kong. Yeah, he's a gorilla. I was thinking of Godzilla versus Kong, and I said Godzilla instead of Kong. These new chimeras are definitely like the A-team compared to Gerso and Zampano. I know you say that. But also, they were having the conclusion of their arc, and the episode was literally playing them off. Like, they were like, I guess we are free. And you just hear, kind of like yeah. the episode is going, wrap it up, wrap it up. You're <laughs> like a road trip movie where they're driving away, but you can still hear them. I guess let's no. be on the good people's team now. <laughs> no, I know what you mean, where they're driving off and you can still hear them talking yeah. to each other. <laughs> and they're like in the distance. I thought they were pretty cool. Do you know their names? Haskell? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> One is Lionel and the other is Richie. Shut <laughs> <up>. <laughs> Before we go forth, it's time to bring on the classical music. Welcome to First Day Theater, reading actual posts from people who watched the show as it aired. Today we're going to do something a little bit different in First Take Theater. So I often get a lot of the comments I read on the podcast from this website called My Anime List. To those who don't know, My Anime List has an anime ranking system where you can vote on what the quote-unquote top anime are. And like most ranking systems, it means absolutely nothing. But some people take this very seriously. And there has even been a bit of a war going down between Full Metal Alchemist fans and fans of other anime, particularly Attack on Titan. Arthur, could you please read? The following post. Okay. Somebody posted this on the My Enemy List forums. It's a plea for peace. Okay. And now, First Take Theater presents General Arthur and the Anime Wars. So I've noticed the war going on, and I have a question. Why are we fighting over a cartoon? Why does anyone care if one is higher than the other? Can we all just enjoy the show we love? Who cares if one show is higher or not? You should like a show because you actually like it, not because you want to fight for dominance in a pointless online war that in 100 years is not going to mean anything, to be frank. It's both sad and pathetic. There are so many beautiful and wonderful anime out there that keep coming out that one day this show will be surpassed. Right now, it looks like AOT's final season. I understand loving this show and wanting to protect it, but you don't have to fight over it. Love it and cherish and understand that maybe it's time for another show to share the spotlight for a little. I doubt Hiromu Arakawa and Hajime Isayama would like knowing their fans are fighting over something so trivial. They wrote their stories because they had a story to share and a world they wanted to love and explore, not because they wanted to be at the very top. I'm not asking you to listen to me, and I don't really care. What I'm asking is think about what you're doing. Would the creators really want you to fight over this? Is it really worth it in the end? Do you really want to say that wasted time and energy fighting over something that, in all honesty, won't amount 
to anything. To which somebody replied, die. Mike! What? It's time for you to stop looking at the clock and start looking at the bat because now it's time for Mikey at the bat! Yay! And we missed Panda Talk. No, there's no Panda Talk today. I know, we missed it. No, no. Sh this is the moment in the podcast where Mike has to guess what happens in next week's episode based only on the title and the thumbnail. Mike, will you please describe the thumbnail for next week's episode, Signs of a Counteroffensive? Are these our guys, right? That's Falman and Buccaneer. And they're in their coats and they're all dressed up and they're they look very serious. Signs of a counteroffensive. Yes. All right. So I wonder if this episode will be an episode where because finally we've gotten some traction where characters are doing things that are against what the villains want them to do, right? They're finally starting to have their own agency and play into their own plans. And it's been a while because they've been floundering been or doing exactly what they've been. <laughs> no, sorry. sorry, they've been floundering or doing exactly what they've been supposed to be doing, what the villain wants them to do. So I wonder if now the villains are going to be like, I, I wonder if signs of a counteroffensive is all about. Like, what's going on? Is is Olivia, is she doing something? You know, is she organizing? Are the troops starting to, to do something that we don't expect? Or are we losing control? Are we losing, you know, that's, that's what I think they're going to. So, you know, we're going to start seeing the bad guys shift their perspective. I think Father and the homunculi, they're all, they're all going to, I don't know. How's that for a prediction? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, they've become more and more vague. <laughs> but I've got more accurate too. Before we move on to our grades, I just want to do a very quick segment, which is Where in the world is Weedlings? I don't know, being sexy? Like, the fuck? Yeah. I can't believe it actually happened. <laughs> the first episode that Greedling appeared, our guest was like, they're talking about greed. I just counting down a second until somebody calls him a daddy. That was me. My fault. Sorry, I had to. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm glad you said it. Not me, because I don't want to be tapped as the horny one. No, me neither. Has that already happened? <laughs> what is, is there? Do we, I think no, I've talked too much about which characters are hot or not. So, well, that was Where in the World is Greedling. Where in the world is Greedling? <laughs> that was it. We don't know where he is. <laughs> where, where, Still what don't is know. Stupid, sexy Greedling, dude. <laughs> yeah, we don't know where he is. So that was. Now that Mike has given his prediction, it's time for us to grade the episode on a scale from one to five stars. I'm going to get things started by giving this episode. You know what? After the whole conversation we had, and just for the final moment alone with the rebar section, I will give this four stars. I'm in pretty much agreement with you. I'd give it maybe a 4.25, four and a quarter. I thought it was a really great episode. It was really dense. I think the parts where it was a little shaky was when it felt a little too dense, when it felt like it could have extended the moments a little bit more because there was a lot there. But this episode was also the episode that I liked. Like, we've talked about Ed's character a bunch, and this was the episode where I felt like I really liked Ed's character and saw like his resourcefulness and that he never gives up and that he's really good and smart in a fight. And I think we haven't seen that from Ed in a while. He's just kind of been there. And Al's been the one handling the kind of more mature emotional conversations. But now you, you see Ed in his element, which is up against a wall, fighting for his life, never giving up on his friends. 
So it was cool seeing Ed in that context. Okay. Full disclosure, I can't hear you guys. My computer's dead. <laughs> so I'm just going to go. I'm in Michelle's room now just to give my grade. I don't know what Arthur said. I'm going to give it an unenthusiastic four stars. Yeah, I think I'd echo four stars. Like, I think this was a really pivotal moment that helped reflect the themes of the show once more, especially as Arthur said, like, Ed gets to take the spotlight again, and we really get to kind of recognize him as one of the hearts of the show once more. And it shows that, like, again, that kind of transformative power of change, even if it's pretty stupid, that, like, Darius and Hinkle, uh, you know, end up siding with him again. I think it really shows the kind of, no matter how dark it gets, that kind of optimism that pervades the show, which is pretty great. But again, there are episodes that I like more than this, but I think it was also a reminder that the stakes are ramping up and it's getting real. And I think it's a very good segue into the later half. I just want to take a moment to mention two asks we got on Tumblr. We have a Tumblr from manal-analyst.tumblr.com. The first one wanted us to talk about how the Edward in the first opening is actually the young slave Honenheim, which is something I noticed, but I never actually thought about how slave Honenheim was there since the beginning, but this guy still looked like Ed. That's pretty cool. That is cool. And we also got another ask mentioning that when I said, when I mentioned <laughs> about when I said that Roy Sleeve's shirt made me feel like he could do some war crimes on my ass, got them feeling represented. This is what I was talking about. I do not want to be known as the horny one. <laughs> well, you're doing good. We're reaching the end of this week's episode of Full Metal Analyst. So I'd like to take this moment to thank our guest, Quinn, for coming. Quinn, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure having you here. Great being on the show. Like I, I love discourse. I love talking. I think um, you guys are referencing a previous episode that I wasn't on, where you kind of talked about the capital insurrection, and it just, it just shows. Like I want to say this in a kind of an optimistic way, but it shows like how enduring the themes are, for better or for worse. This show is like it's a cultural moment, and that moment hasn't ended just yet. Before you go, Quinn, can you please give us your best Full Metal Alchemist, just like the interstitials? Full Metal Alchemist. And if you don't want to get a piece of rebar stuck in your chest, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at FM Analysts. That's twitter.com slash FM, the word analysts. Subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. If possible, leave us a review or recommend the show to a friend. We'd like to thank Sarah Lerner for managing our Tumblr. You can check that out at fullmetal-analyst.tumblr.com. But watch out, there are spoilers there. We'd also like to thank Camilla Franklin for doing our podcast art. You can check out more of her work by following her on Instagram at Camillustrator. If you like this episode and would like to hear more, why not subscribe to our Patreon? For just $2, you receive extended versions of each episode a week early. That's right, you can listen to next week's episode right now by going to patreon.com slash fmanalysts. That'll be all for now. We'll see you next time on Full Metal Analysts. Until then, stay frosty. Bye. <laughs>